Okay. In the words of the Rambam, in, in the laws of the foundations of the Torah, you say the Torah. What? Oh yeah, we're doing uh, Torah and Tanism, uh, just starting the, the series on the 13 principles. So it's of the 13 principles of faith to know that Hashem, that God communicates um, with humans. That Hashem, that, 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 that prophecy is a true concept. And that it is true communion from God. Um, in the words of uh, the Animamins, we do, the Chabad custom is not to say, th- to, to say them, but of course, like the Rebbe said many times, that even though we don't say them every day, it's not in any way, God forbid, to diminish from our steadfast belief in these 13 statements. And a few of them that we're going to be discussing is I believe with perfect, with complete faith that all the words of the prophets are true. That's number six. Number seven is Which in short means that I believe with complete faith in the superiority and supremacy of the prophecy of Moses. That means that even though we believe in the truth of all the words of the, pro- of the true prophets, but we believe that all of the prophets are secondary in their degree of prophecy to that of Moshe Rabbeinu. And uh, we're going to be exploring this a little bit. Um, and then another one which is um, important, to, uh, relevant to our discussion, is the eighth and ninth one, that all of the Torah which we have is the Torah that was given to Moshe Rabbeinu, Allah HaShalom, and uh, number nine, that should I believe with complete faith that this, with complete faith that this Torah will ne- has never and will never and can't ever um, change even one iota. Um, now, when we talk about the supremacy of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. So, um, the Rambam is, what we're referring to is two things. Number one is the degree of prophecy. So in the the Rambam, uh, when he uh, explains what prophecy is and how it works, he explains that all prophets, um, when they would receive communion from Hashem, there was different degrees in the directness of the communication. And as the, all of the, these words of the Ramam are bla- based on explicit verses in the Torah, uh, primarily um, in Parshas Shoftim, which we're coming up next week's Parsha, and also at the end of Parshas Pahaloischa, which we, that um, other prophets see a vague vision, which then has to be interpreted. Um, they may see a mushal, they may see a, a, a menorah which alludes to something. Whereas Moshe Rabbeinu sees a very clear image. Other prophets would only have a, a vision, a prophecy at night, or only at certain times when they were in the right mode to sort of tune into that channel. Um, and when they would prophesy, they would sort of become in this, uh, it would be like an out-of-body experience, so that they weren't, uh, they, they were sort of in this, not, like, th- they're, 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 they were sort of halfway left the body, 
it was some sort of uh, I don't know, scary is the word, but uh, they would lo- the Rambam uses the words they would l- they would lose their lose their senses a little bit, and all of that is not true of of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was panim upon him. He would communicate with Hashem in a very clear uh, way. Now it's um, extremely important to point out that even though the other prophets saw things in a vision which may have been a little bit vague. Um, that's not to say that the interpretation of the vision as the prophets gave it over to the Jewish people um, was in any way less than 100% certain. Um, that means even though if today we may open a book of Yermia, Yechezkel, and Nishaya and not be able to say exactly what every prophecy or whatever word they said, what exactly it means and how it plays out, um, but the prophet himself is given the tools that he needs to be able to decipher whatever um, analogy he's being shown in the vision or anything like that. Um, in fact, the Rambam, um, we've spoken about this before, in uh, the, the, the concept of Nisoyen, the concept of being tested by God, which is a concept which uh, the already the Rishonim grapple with because, what do you, I mean, usually the idea of a test would be to determine the results, but Hashem knows what the result is going to be, so what's the point of Hashem testing us? So, different Rishonim um, offer different approaches to this question. However, the Rambam says that actually that word Nisoyen, which we're used to translating as test, doesn't mean test at all. The word Nisoyen means to, um, to create a banner. Like uh, ne- ne- that word nace, like we say in the Amida, the son nace, the kabbits, raise a banner to ingather our exiles. So, to nace, nisoyin means to make a banner or to um, create a precedent which will serve as a um, long term uh, example and uh, directive for all generations to come. And the Ramam goes through all the places in the Torah where we have this word Nisayan and explains how his interpretation fits with those verses. So one of them, famously, is the binding of Isaac, which starts off with the introduction of Holy Kim Nisa Es Avram, which we are um, used to translating as Hashem tested Avram. Says the Rambam, no, it doesn't mean Hashem tested Avram. Hashem um, gave this command to Avram uh, to bind Isaac as, uh, and to bring him up as a as a as a sacrifice, in order to be a banner, in order to be a a, a steadfast example to future generations. What is it being an example of? So the Rambam says two things. This is the Rambam is in Merinavuchim in the guide. Um, I forget which the exact place in the guide where it is, but it's there. Um, and um, he says he says two things which that why the akeda is so important why is this an isoyan why is this something that's so important for all future generations to know and he says that one of the things is that we need to know that when a prophecy when a prophet receives communication from God it is with one hundred percent clarity and conviction and knowledge that this is actually the word of God to me it's not like oh I had a dream and I feel inspired and this is Right? And he says the proof is that there's no way in the world that Avram would actually have done what he did or what he tried to do to Yitzchak had he not been 
100% convinced of the veracity of his prophecy, of his pro- of the prophecy. Had he had any room to doubt that maybe Hashem didn't say it and I was just daydreaming, or maybe he said it but then he didn't mean it, or any if spots at any any possible um, lack of uh, 100% conviction, so then certainly he would not have done it. So. Anyway, that's one one thing that we mean when we say again, and this is this is its own separate principle of faith. Besides, one principle is we believe in prophecy, and then there's an independent principle which is I believe in the superiority of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's part of it. Another element of the superiority of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu is um, that why do we believe in prophets? And the way the Rambam explains it is like this. And we're gonna, what we're going to do today is we're going to review some of the laws of prophecy and when do we believe a prophet and when do we not believe a prophet. And what I hope this will do for us is it will also segue into a discussion which hopefully will continue next week in A, the different uh, levels of prophecy. We know there's the, we talk about prophecy, we talk about Ruach HaKodesh, Divine Spirit, we talk about Abbas Koyl, a heavenly voice, we talk about the Shailas Chaloim, communicating with Hashem, um, um, in a, or receiving communication from Hashem in a dream. So what do all these different things mean? How and when do they apply? And what are the ramifications thereof? One of the very important questions which we're going to touch upon, hopefully this today, but we will not um, wrap up the discussion until next time, is can we at any level, um, Pasch and Halacha, determine what the Halacha is based on, um, uh, on a prophecy? We'll see today what the Rambam has to say, but obviously there's lots of uh, many, many interesting episodes um, throughout the Talmud and even later than that. So that's what we're going to hopefully discuss next week. But one, impo- one, one, one element of prophecy is that the reason we believe in prophecy is because Moshe Rabbeinu told us to do so. And um, the Rambam says, you know, the, you have a mitzvah to believe in the prophet. What if the prophet is lying? What if he's just tricking us? And it's not true that he heard um, the, these words from God. So the Rambam says, just like the Torah commands you to listen to, to, to um, not just to listen, but to execute uh, judgment based on the testimony of two witnesses, even though it's possible that they're lying. Now, that, of course, we have to do everything we can to determine that the, the witnesses are telling the truth. But even with all the, the, the due process in the world, it is possible that the witnesses are cut artists and that they're tricking us. Nevertheless, we have a mitzvah in the Torah to believe them. To, well, not, we don't have a mitzvah to believe them, but we have a mitzvah to behave as if we believe them. We have a mitzvah to, um, to execute the judgment based on their testi- testimony. Similarly, says the Rambam, if you have a prophet who passes the, the sniff test of prophecy, which we'll see in a minute what that is, um, then you have a mitzvah to obey him, even though he may not be telling the truth. Why? Because the Torah says to do so. Now, how do we know the Torah is true? Be- that is because of the prophecy of Moses. And the prophecy of Moses is superior to all others. And in a word, it's because the, all other prophets, we listen to them because Moses told us to. The prophecy of Moses, we listen to is because we ourselves, with our very own eyes and our very own ears, heard and saw Hashem communicating with Moshe Rabbeinu. He went up to the mountain and the entire Jewish people heard um, God talking to him, I am the Lord your God, go tell them, go tell the Jewish people, X, Y, Z. Okay, so...
Um, what I would like to do is as follows. So the Rambam talks about the, all the details and the laws of prophecy um, in the laws of Yisoyedi HaToyra. Those who are doing the Rambam, whether it's three chapters or one chapter, have done this fairly recently and reviewed these laws. What I would like to do with you today is read from the Pirush HaMishnayis. In the Rambam's introduction to his commentary on the Mishnah, he has, he also goes through the same thing that he goes in Yisoyedi HaToyra. He goes through the parameters of prophecy. Um, but <coughs> um, in, in, in more detail and in a more um, sort of layman's terms than he does in the, in the, in the Mishnah Torah. And so I would like to read um, these few pages of Rambam together, which will give us clarity in the Rambam's opinion, and then uh, probably that will take for the duration of the class today. And uh, next week we'll continue seeing the uh, other opinions and um, fascinating stories um, recorded throughout history of all sorts of um, uh, miraculous um, occurrences. Why does he discuss that? Because he's explaining how halacha comes to be. Okay. So first he talks about the, 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 the false prophets who prophesy the name of, of, of idolatry. And then he says like this. Now we're going to talk about those who prophesy in the name of God. So one possibility, which is, um, which is, the, which is um, the false prophet, is the prophet who prophesies in the name of God and he calls them to the people and he um, or encourages people to serve Hashem. And then he says that Hashem has added a mitzvah or taken away a mitzvah. And um, let's say he would say, we have to keep all the mitzvahs. What's, you know, encouraging like all the prophets did to keep all the mitzvahs. And then he says, but you know, God told me that now it's changed. It used to be that the law of Erla was that you're not allowed to have the fruit of the tr- a new tree for the first three years. And now it's changed to two years. Or he would say now it's changed to four years. Right? Anything like that um, is false prophecy, and this prophet is, we know, the Torah tells us, the Zodin Dibra Haravi, this Novi is deliberately lying, and he is to be put to death. Um, similarly, if um, he tells us something different than that which we know, we know from our tradition, um, which dates back to Har Sinai that the interpretation of a particular pasuk in the Torah is such, and this prophet um, says, oh, I was communicated by Hashem to um, change this, has to be, um, is, is a false prophet. And the example the Rambam gives is, um, for example, if the pasuk says, says kapoli sochis enechop, that if, uh, if a woman, uh, it's t- the Torah is talking there about uh, Two people are fighting, and a woman um, touches the man, a man inappropriately. Then you have to amputate her hand and do not have compassion. But we know from tradition, like an eye for an eye, that it doesn't literally mean we have to cut off her hand. It means that we penalize her financially. We fine her um, to compensate her victim for his busha for his uh, humiliation. Um, so if a prophet comes and says that God told me 
that actually the Katsuyu says Kapa means literally you have to cut off his hand, her hand, this prophet has to be put to death. And we know with absolute certainty that he has attributed a statement to God which is false, God never told him to do, and we shouldn't, shouldn't even pay any attention to his wonders and miracles. We'll see soon what the wonders and miracles of a Navi are, of a prophet are, um, but even though this prophet has passed all the tests and he's predicted the future with accuracy and he's done tremendous wonders and miracles. Nevertheless, if he comes and says that actually um, this puzzle means that you have to literally cut off her hand or means that you have to literally um, take out her eye, the person's eye or anything like that, we know with absolute certainty that he is a false prophet and all of the miracles and predictions that he did were either um, sleight of hand or sorcery, or some other form of um, of um, trickery, um, and we are not to pay any heed to it, because the Torah tells us that there will never be any other Torah. Which, I, like we read before, that was the ninth of the thirteen principles. There will never be the Torah will not change, even one iota. And additionally, this is the um, intent of the verse in Parshas Nitzavim. The Torah is not in the heavens. Torah, in other words, the determination of the halacha and the meaning of the Torah cannot be in the heavens, is not to be found in spiritual divine communication. So that's Part one of the laws of a prophet. If a prophet tries in any way to add, take away, or, or change, even change an interpretation that we know of the Torah, he is a false prophet and is to be put to death. It's interesting, I mean, we'll see soon more, but it's interesting that... Um, you know, the Rambam was, uh, didn't really, be- the Rambam uh, is sort of known as the rationalist. The Rambam doesn't believe in the powers of magic or any of those su- sort of supernatural things. Um, but at the same time, he says, oh, if this happens, then you know that, and even the, we'll see soon, he talks about astronomy, astronomers and all those things. So, um, unclear to me exactly where the Rambam, uh, uh, sort of uh, exactly where he drew the lines with these things. Anyway. Alright, then we have another prophet. This is a prophet who calls everybody to serve God. And he warns everybody to keep the Torah. And he do, he's not um, telling, adding anything or taking away anything from the Torah. In the words of the last prophet, this is the prophet of Malachi, Remember the Torah of Moshe. That is a primary par- part of the job of a prophet. Is, his job description is to constantly be encouraging and reminding and warning everybody to, uh, to, of the importance of keeping to the Torah. And he will even um, promise good things to those who keep the Torah and punishments to those who violate the Torah, as do the uh, Yeshaya, Yermia, Yechezkel, and the others. And then, if such a prophet then gives a command which is not directly relevant to any halacha. For example, he says, now, now, everybody, now we, you, you, he tells the king, wage war on a certain city or on a certain nation. For example, like Shmuel um, told 
Shaul HaMelech to wage war with Amalek. Or if he tells somebody, he tells the king not to kill a particular army or a particular person, as Elisha did to the king Yehoram, and he told him not to kill the um, army of Chazoyim who were in the Shomron, as is well known. Ramam says it's well known because he assumes that we are all learned and we know the scripture. Unfortunately, um, I am not so uh, learned in scripture, so I'm not familiar with this story, but it's right there according to my footnotes in the book of Kings 2, chapter 6. Dan, do you remember that one? Okay, good. So it's well known to you. Um, similarly, um, as in the book of Yeshaya, chapter 22, when the prophet Yeshaya told them not to um, bring water into the city, or um, when Yermia, the prophet, warned them from leaving um, Yerushalayim to go war, uh, to war a bavel. And when the prophet claims this prophecy, you know, he, he, he's, a tribu- he's claiming to be a prophet and attributing this to Hashem. And he doesn't attribute it to Avedizara, which is a reference to the piece of the Rambam that we did not read. And he's not adding anything onto the to- words of the Torah, or not them taking away anything from the words of the Torah. Then, we have to test him in order to verify his claim to be a true prophet. And if his words have be- indeed be- been verified based on the barometer that we have, then we are obligated to listen to everything that he says, from the very smallest detail until the biggest one, and anybody who violates even the smallest iota, the smallest detail of something which the Novi commands, is liable to death. Um, as Hashem says, this is in next week's parsha and parsha saved him, anybody who does not heed the word of the prophet, I will, I will exact retribution from him, says Hashem. And if the prophet does not pass the test, if, his, if we do the test and he fails the test, so then the prophet is to be put to death by strangulation with Henek because he has claimed to be a prophet, he has falsely claimed to have had a communication from Hashem. How do we verify whether or not the, the prophet is a true prophet? So first of all, says the Rambam, we have to know that the individual in question who's claiming to be a prophet is a person who is ra'oi, who is befitting to become a prophet. That means he has to be um, uh, a philosopher, a theologian, a person who um, focuses his time on learning and understanding about God. He has to be a person who is of um, absolute flawless character. And the Rambam says, I won't elaborate here, but in short, before anything, we have to know that this person is of top-notch character in all matters of life, both in his Bein Adam HaChaverim and Adam HaMokim, both in his interpersonal relationships and also in his service of Hashem. Um, so, if somebody who is a uh, who doesn't fit that bill comes and says, I'm a prophet, and even if he, fa- if he passes the rest of the tests, he's still a false prophet, because that's the foundation. In order to be a prophet, in order to merit Hashem communicate with you, you have to be of, 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 um, of um, how do you call it? Yeah, like they say, uh, 
good Jew talks to Hashem, but if you hear Hashem talking back, then that's insanity, right? So, uh, most people don't fit that bill. Okay. If the person does fit that bill, and he says, um, so then, the next part of the test is that he has to predict the future. And if everything that he says, that he predicts in the future, indeed comes to pass, then we know that he's a true prophet. If if one, even one tiny detail of what he said would come to pass did not come to pass, then we know that he is a false, he's falsifying it. And this is absolutely explicit in the Torah. Again, this is from next week's parsha. If you will say, say to yourself, how should we know that which Hashem spoke and, the, and, and it's that, that which the Prophet spoke in the name of Hashem and it's not true? Says the Torah, if the Novi says something in the name of Hashem and it does not come to pass, then you know that he's, that he's not true. And you know that the Prophet is deliberately falsifying it and you have to put him to death. Do not fear him. And even if he passes the test once or twice, it's still, we're not 100% convinced of his accuracy as a prophet, and it takes um, a number of times until we see that time and again he passes the test with 100% accuracy, then we know that he is a true prophet as a, uh, of God. And the Rambam answered that it used to be, there were many prophets, like we know, we only have recorded, as part of the 24 books of Scripture, we only have recorded those prophecies which were deemed to be relevant for all times. But there were many prophets throughout the, the history of the Jewish people. And of course, unfortunately, there were also many false prophets. There were people who went around claiming to, um, to, to, to be speaking the word of God and who were false prophets. We'll see soon more about that soon. And the Rambam says that it used to be common for people to go and ask the prophets their personal things. For example, the famous one that's recorded in Nach is Shaul, who went to ask uh, the king Shaul, who before he became king went to ask Shmuel about the Asainis, about uh, he couldn't find, he lost his donkeys, and he went to ask Shmuel where they are, and Shmuel told him where they are, right? And he says, even though it's not that's as in recorded in the Torah, that's kind of the only story where we see that. But it's clear from the context that that was common practice, that people used to do that. And he says, in fact, it's even um, kind of explicit in the Torah, because the Torah, when in, again, in next week's parasha, where it introduces the concept of, 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 of future prophets in, in, out, other than Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, don't listen to the Mo'inunim and the Kaisbim, to the magicians and the astronomers and the all the hocus-pocus, different types of things of the nations of the land. Rather, instead of that, I'm going to give you prophets, and those are the ones you should listen to. So just like says the Rambam, if Hashem is giving us prophets, at least in part, as a, so to speak, antidote to, uh, or, yeah, to people pursuing um, all this uh, Narishkeit, so, <coughs> so uh, yeah, so the prophet is certainly there for also, um, for, uh, for those things. And in fact, um, uh, not to digress too far, but uh, there's a famous letter of the Alter Rebbe in Tanya, which uh, I forget exactly which chapter it is in Egeres HaKadosh, but it's got to be coming up sometime soon, where the, Re- the Alter Rebbe um, decry- uh, decries the fact that Hasidim would come to the Rebbe to ask him uh, for blessings or advice in mundane matters of life, 
And he says, what's this about? The Rebbe's not there for that. The Rebbe's there to teach you how to serve God. He's not there to help you for parnasa and these type of things. And um, that's the difference between the, uh, the, uh, the Rebbe says that that's the difference between a prophet and a chacham. A prophet is there for such things, but that's not what a Rebbe is for. Um, it's beyond the scope of now today's discussion to sort of go through that letter and I mean at the end of the day we of course know that Chassidim always came to the Rebbe even for mundane things and again we're not going to get into that now but uh, just re- reminded me of this that in that very letter where the Alt Rebbe is decrying it the Alt Rebbe acknowledges that it was appropriate for a Navi uh, what's the difference between, I mean, of course, the, Rebbe, the, the, the Rabbeim were great tzaddikim, and they also had um, divine inspiration and miraculous um, stories, but um, they weren't, uh, an, it would appear that they weren't a Novi, at least not in the, con, in, the, in the sense that the Rambam is talking about a Novi. Um, so that's uh, uh, what we have further discussed, we'll at least hope, hopefully we'll at least touch upon it next week. Says the Rambam, if that's the case, if the test for a prophet is that he be able to tell the future, so then what about all these other uh, magicians and sorcerers and uh, psychics and all these other types of uh, uh, people who claim to be able to tell the future? Says the Rambam, and here is when it's not clear where the Rambam actually does believe that those people have any sort of power whatsoever or whether it's all complete, just pulling the wall over your eyes and tricking you, um, which we're not going to get into right now. But the Rambam basically says that the difference is that those people will never be able to tell the future with 100% accuracy. They'll say, and they'll be on the mark for some things, but at least, even if they're on the mark for most of it, at least when it comes to some detail, they will not be um, they will not be 100% accurate. And that's why it's so important, says the Rambam, that when we test the prophet, if he predicts the future and even one detail of what he says is, doesn't come to pass, then we know that he's a false prophet. Because because um, because that's what the, all these sorcerers and these other people will do. You may be also familiar um, okay, he brings various verses from scripture that we see this concept um, I believe Rashi points this out in his commentary to Parshas Shemois when um, Paro's uh, advisors saw with their sorcery and stargazers whatever it was, they saw that um, the leader of the Jewish people would um, have his downfall with water. Right now, we know that that was when he hit the rock and he wasn't allowed to come into the land. But they thought that they would be able to um, preempt the whole notion of having a savior of the Jewish people by making him drown in water, which is why they issued their decree of throwing all the babies into the water. So then, what do they do? They, um, they put Moshe in the basket um, by the water, and uh, then his astronomers see that he's already in the water and he's drowning, so they nullified the decree of putting all babies in the water, and that's when that decree was nullified. So again, we see that they were seeing something, but they were 
um, but, 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 but it was vague and it wasn't 100% accurate and they, in that case, misinterpreted it. <coughs> now, there is another very important concept which I need to preempt, says the Rambam, and that is, if the Navi prophesizes about a bad thing that will happen to people, that um, their land will, uh, that there will be a famine, or there will be a war, or that their land will turn over, right, which is um, clearly a reference to um, the prophecy of Yonah, to the people of Nineveh, that Nineveh would be Nehepeches, it would be turned over, um, which of course did not come to pass. So was Chas Shalom was Yonah a false prophet, that he said a prophecy in the word in the name of Hashem, and it did not come to pass? God forbid. So, says the Rambam, if a prophet says, prophesies something that is negative, a bad thing that will happen, and it does not come to be, this does not in any way undermine the truth of this prophet. Rather, the chat is that this was indeed going to come, but then the people did Shuvah, and they repented, and Hashem, um, in His great kindness, forgave them, and um, change his mind concerning the Nicham al in the words of the Apostle. Right? Or, even if they did not do Teshuvah, it could be that Hashem is anyway being extra patient and pushing off, postponing their retribution for a later time. As we find with Achav that Hashem told Eliyahu Hanavi that I'm not going to bring the bad on him in his day or come in the day of his children. Or whatever other reason God decides that He will forgive them. However, if the prophet prophesizes about a good thing, that there will be good produce at a certain time, or that there will not be war, or that there will be a plentiful year, or anything like that, and then the de- the detail it does not come to pass, then we know that He's a false prophet. So, in other words. Um, a false prophet can only be uh, the, the truth of a prophet can only be determined when we test it we only test him when he foretells of good things that will come to be and then they don't come to pass and the Rambam says that this is also the pshat in the famous debate between Yermia and Hananiah ben Azur Hanavi uh, Navi Shaker. Um, so Yermia, who is the prophet who suffered the most uh, ridicule and, and contempt of um, the people, he was not a very popular person, um, and uh, he was prophesying about the destruction that will come on Yerushalayim, on the Beis Amikdash, and the kingdom of Yehuda, etc. And he was, um, had a lot of competition. There were the false prophets of the time who were foretelling of that everything is going to be hunky-dory and everybody can continue doing their idolatry and all their bad stuff and not to worry. And uh, this is actually alluded to in the verse in Eicha where, the, where, 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 where Yirmiya Hanavi writes in his, in his kinnis, in his uh, lamentations over there, Neviyeha chazula shavitafil that her prophets uh, visioned for her, foretold for her Lies and 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 and, uh, and and falsehoods, and the Jewish people um, fell for it, and um, right. So in the one second, uh, 
So this is in Yermia chapter 28. Let's look this up. I'm going to read you from the Oscar translation of Jeremiah chapter 28. It happened in that year, in the beginning of the reign of Tzitkiah, king of Yehuda, in the fourth year, in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azor, the false prophet, it doesn't say the word false in, 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 in the Torah, I'm just adding that in, the false prophet, from Gibbon, and he said to me in the temple of Hashem before the eyes of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus said Hashem, Master of the legions, God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Bavel. In another two years I shall return to this place all the articles of the temple of Hashem that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Bavel, took from this place and brought them to Bavel. I am returning, Yechonion, the son of Yehoiakim, king of Yehuda, and all the exile of Yehuda who have gone to Bavel. I shall return to this place, for I shall break the yoke of the king of Bavel. Right, so he's basically foretelling that everything is all going to be good. And this is happening in public. This is a public... Um, this is a public debate, a public display of this terrible thing that was going on where Yermia was desperately trying to, um, to uh, encourage and uh, people to repent and to abandon their idolatrous ways. And he was up against um, this Hanani ben Azur who in the temple in front of everybody, in front of the priests and the entire nation was telling everybody, don't worry, everything is going to be fine. So Yirmiyahu then spoke to Hananiah before the eyes of the priests and before the eyes of all the people standing in the base of Mikdash. And he said, Amen, may Hashem do so. May Hashem fulfill your words that you prophesied to return the articles of the temple of Hashem and the entire exile of Babel to this place. For sure, I'm all for it. I would love it for that to happen. But hear now this statement that I'm speaking in your ears and in the ears of all the people. The prophets who were before me and before you from ancient times used to prophesy about many lands and about many great kingdoms for war, for evil, for pestilence. When a prophet speaks of peace, it is only when the word of that prophet comes true that it is known that that prophet was indeed sent by Hashem. And then... Hashem actually tells Yermia to go and tell Hananiah um, that he's going to die, and indeed he died, and that was the end of the story. You can see the rest of the details. Again, it's in Yermia chapter 28. Okay, so Yermia is telling him, basically, if my prophecy doesn't come true, I'm prophesying, Yermia is prophesying about the downfall of Yehuda. If my prophecy doesn't come true, and doesn't, doesn't say anything about me. It could be that I was telling the truth, but the Jewish people repented and Hashem forgave them. But if your prophecy of good, of peace, that the, the, does not come true, then we will all know that your prophet's prophecy was not true. Of course, that never came to pass because um, he died that year, and Hananiah's um, uh, um, false prophecy was for two years out. So, of course, by the time his prophecy was seen to be false. He was dead, and of course he was not the only one. There were many of these um, false prophets. Now, Rambam now asks a very interesting question, and he says, hold on a second. We know that Hashem promised Yaakov that um, he would take care of him. When he, he has the dream of the ladder, 
and uh, he says, I'm going to be with you, I'm going I'm I'm to take care of you. And yet we find that a few parshas later, when he's coming back and he's going to uh, meet um, his brother who's coming toward him with 400 men, Esau, yeah? So it says, Yaakov was very scared. And Chazal uh, say, Rashi brings us that he was scared that perhaps because he was so humble, he was scared that perhaps he had done something which would make him undeserving of the blessing of Hashem. Says the Rambam, how, what, 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 what's this to mean? If Yaakov had a prophecy that everything was going to be good, then that's the type of prophecy that cannot and under any circumstance be rescinded. So why was he scared that maybe it wouldn't be um, fulfilled? Says the Rambam, because that was a prophecy that was in private. It was a private communication from him to Hashem. It wasn't for him to go and tell anybody. It wasn't a message to the Jewish people. And because it wasn't a message to the Jewish people, it was just a private thing to him. So Yaakov thought that maybe Hashem promised me, but it's okay, maybe I now I'm no longer deserving of his blessing. And I don't know if the Rambam says this here explicitly, but I think... That, that 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 that's why in these psukim of Yermia, with the debate between Yermia and and Hanani ben Azur Hanavi, there's this emphasis in the psukim two or three times over there that this happened in front of all the people. This wasn't a private communication between Hashem and the Prophet. This was a, something that the Prophet was telling the whole people in the name of Hashem, and that's why this was so relevant. Continues the Rambam. Once this comes to pass, that the, 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 the truth of a, a particular prophet's prophecy has been established according to the, uh, found to the principles that we have laid down, then, for example, Shmuel Hanavi, Eliyahu Hanavi, etc., then that prophet is allowed to do something which no one else is allowed to do. As I will explain, says Ram. And that is, that if he, um, command, if the prophet commands us to fulfill, uh, concerning any mitzvah, that we should not do, not do this mitzvah, or can any uh, avera that we should violate the avera, we are obligated to listen to him. And anybody who violates him is liable to death. With the exception of Avedizara, if he tells us to go and serve um, idols, then we never listen to him. But anything else, we have to listen to him. How does that square with what we started out with, that if he adds or diminishes anything from the Torah, then it's false? He says the, 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 the condition is that he does not say to do this for eternity. He says you should do this now as a one-time thing. And he says, Hashem commanded me like this, that yes, it's true, the Jewish people have to keep Shabbos, but today you need to violate, the, desecrate the Shabbos. Then, in such a circumstance, we have to listen to him. And the most famous example of this scenario is Eliyahu Bahara Carmel, the famous story um, recorded in the book of Kings 1, chapter 18, where Eliyahu has his standoff with the false prophets of the Baal, the Avedozor of the Baal, where they have the two oxen, and they go first, and... Uh, they are they're screaming and they're praying to the Baal to send down fire from heaven and they cut um, their skins and of course nothing happens and then when it's Mincha time Eliyahu says it's my turn 
and he puts the, his ox on the altar and he fills up the ditches around there with water and then he diamonds to Hashem and a fire comes down from heaven and burns up the, his, his sacrifice and consumes even all the water and all the Jewish people are finally um, persuaded of the truth of Hashem and and they declare the famous psukim with which we conclude the Yom Kippur service Hashem Hu HaAlikim, Hashem Hu HaAlikim, God is the true God right? So one second, there is one of the mitzvahs in the Torah which is, hey, I didn't even think of this. This is today's parasha. We started reading this. It's in today's chitas. We read this yesterday by Mincha. That once the Beis HaMikdash has been built, it is forbidden to bring a sacrifice to Hashem at any place other than the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. So how was Eliyahu able to, Eliyahu Anavi able to stand on Hara Carmel in, uh, uh, and bring a carbon outside of Yerushalayim? Right? It's punishable by death. To bring a carbon anywhere outside of Yerushalayim is punishable by kares, by excision, by death. Says the Rambam, had they asked um, Eliyahu Novi, hey, what's going on over here? You think you're saying we're allowed to um, uh, bring carbonus outside of Yerushalayim? No, Eliyahu would have said absolutely not. If you bring a carbon outside of Yerushalayim, you will have kares. But we're just going to do this now as a one-time thing by the command of Hashem in order to disprove the false prophets of the Baal, Baal and to, to undermine their, uh, the, their uh, charisma. Similarly, we find Elisha who commanded the Jewish people in the war of Moab to cut down fruit trees, which is also forbidden um, under... Yeah, when it's one of the Pashas Kisetse. Uh, in a few weeks' time, we're going to read it, that you're not allowed to cut down uh, fruit trees dr- during, uh, even during battle. And again, had they asked Elisha, how could we do this? He would have said, you're not allowed to do it, but this time you're allowed to by the word of God. Says the Rambam, I'm going to play this out for you, a scenario so that you'll understand um, almost the irony of how this could play out. Let's say a prophet who has already been established as a true prophet, he's passed all the tests, comes and he says that on this Shabbos I want everyone to get up, men, women, and children, and um, light a fire and m- uh, make weapons and uh, how do you say cord the weapons? Is that the word when you yeah where you put, put the weapons on and uh, on the belt and go and wage war against the people of a certain city uh, today on Shabbos and go and love uh, his and take their 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 money as spoil and uh, take their wives captive, then we would be obligated to get up right away without any delay. Not to delay and think, no, to get up with Zrizos, with, 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 you know, quickly, without any doubting and without any hesitation and without any delaying and believe that everything we're doing on that Shabbos whether it's lighting a fire or any of the uh, other of the forbidden, you know, of the 39 forbidden types of work which we're going to be doing under the command of that Navi, is all that which Hashem has commanded Moshe to, in the Torah that we have to listen to the Navi. And you know, there could be a person, says the Rambam, who, who in, his own, uh, in his own mind, he'll think, I'm a righteous person and I'm an old person, for so, I'm so old, and for all these years I've never violated a single mitzvah I've never desecrated a single Shabbos in my life how will I get up on Shabbos and violate all these severe prohibitions which are punishable by stoning if you violate Shabbos so 
you know what, I'm not going to get involved in this, you know, I don't want to, at the end of my life, mess up my clean track record of having kept every Shabbos of my life. Eh, there's other people that could go to war. I'll just stay home, nobody's going to notice if I, the old man from town, doesn't uh, join in the war. Says the Ramam, this old person is liable to death, is Kayev Misa, for having violated the words of the Novi. Because the same God who commanded, sorry? Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and the same God who commanded us to keep the Shabbos commanded us to listen to the Novi. Says the Rambam, now he's going to sort of point out to a little bit of an irony, and he says, says the Rambam, if this same person is going to. Um, go to war on Shabbos and light a fire and do all the, the create weapons and all many other things and while he's doing it he's also going to take a string and tie a knot in a way that's forbidden to do on Shabbos and that knot is not necessary for the war for the war efforts that same person who's in the middle of lighting a fire is going to be liable to stoning for desecrating Shabbos for having li- t- tied a knot because that's not included in the command of the Navi. And here's a very important thing also. And this is really where, th- th- this last po- point is the point that we're going to focus on the most um, uh, next week. And that is that if the prophet then, co- the same prophet who's, who, who, who we went out to war because he told us to go to war, if he will then come and say that, you know, there's this Tchum Shabbos, that you're not allowed to walk on Shabbos more than 2,000 nam- cubits outside of the city, and it's 2,000, yeah, 2,000 nam- If he says that I had a prophecy um, that actually um, it's, um, it's not 2,000, it's 1,900, or 1,999, right? And he says this not, not as a, as a chacham who's arguing in the halacha, and he says, look, I understand this, the, the rabbi said this, but there, could, you know, there are many areas in halacha where, the, where there are disputes between the chachamim, right? So the novi is allowed to participate in those disputes. He's allowed to say, right? The example the Rambam gave of saying that uh, eye, eye for an eye means literally that's something which we have a tradition of what it means. But sometimes there are things which we don't have a clear tradition. And Rameyer says it means one thing and Gamaliel says it means something else. So the Navi is perfect, right? So Rameyer could say Tchum Shabbos is 2,000 Amas and he may have a proof that actually it's only 1,900 Amas. That's perfectly fine. But if he then comes and says that actually I'm prophesying that it's only 1,900 Amas, not that I'm prophesying that today you should only go 1,900 Amas, or that today you can go uh, 20,000 Amas. He's not prophesying for a one-time thing that you could do now. He's prophesying that the halacha is, that it's only 1,900 Amas, he's a false prophet and he's put to death. And this is very important to understand that it's only with regards to the things which we've discussed until now, which the Prophet has authority to talk. But when it comes to Ion, Din, and Chakira, when it comes to any form of um, decision in the halachas of the Torah, which belongs to the realm of Chachma, of Torah study, not to the realm of prophecy, if the Prophet 
Very strict. If the Prophet says any interpretation whatsoever and attributes it to prophecy, then they are false prophets. And he says, well, well first he, says, he gives a different example. He says, we know we have to follow the majority. So what if you have a thousand sages saying, even if you have a thousand prophets who are of the top class prophets like Eliyahu and Elisha say a certain interpretation in the halacha and on the other side you have a thousand and one sages who are not prophets but they are good they are qualified sages chachamim, saying a different interpretation then we follow the sages and even though the others are prophets because, and this is fundamental, and again, this is really the, this is the realm of, of the whole prophecy thing which we're going to focus on the most next week, that even if you have a thousand um, determined prophets saying a certain pshat, and a, a thousand and one chachamim saying a different pshat, you follow the majority. And the Rambam quotes the Gemara, which says uh, that even if it's a Gemara in Chulin, Dafkot Kuftal, Damadalaf. Halikim. There's some argument going on there about, uh, I forget exactly what it's about. And one of the Amirayim says to the other, You are 100% wrong. And even if Yehoshua bin Nun himself would come and tell me, like, you're a Pshat, I won't believe him. Because Yehoshua bin Nun is a prophet. But th- we are dealing in the realm of Torah. Torah, Torah is not in heaven. Torah cannot be determined by prophecy. And he brings similar statements from the Gemara that also um, back this up. Now, what time is it? Ten o'clock. Okay, so 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 uh, just to reiterate that last point, and then we'll pause here and continue next week. That the Rambam's opinion is that the Prophet may not, in any way, express any opinion whatsoever. Um, in, again, wearing his prophecy hat in the, in the pshat of a halacha. If there's a machlokes, whether, um, let's say, whether um, you're supposed to put on tefillin like Rashi, or tefillin like Rabbi Natan, the Rambam seems to be saying that a prophet would come along and say, um, Rashi is right, I know Hashem told me Rashi is right, that's, that, 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 that's, that's beyond the scope of his um, authority as a prophet. Um, so not only if he's telling us to violate, even if it's something which we have a legitimate doubt, and uh, he's prophesying, um, that would be false. Um, however, um, as we'll see, the Rambam is very difficult to... Th- th- this, op- this opinion, the opinion of the Rambam, is very difficult to square with numerous sources, even in the Gemara, and um, and and um, and certainly uh, other rishonim, and to the extent that some we even want to suggest to water down this Rambam a little bit, that at least in some in certain scenarios it would be okay for a prophet to say something about halacha, um, and we'll certainly see that many of the other rishonim disagree um, with this part of the Rambam. And um, for more, tune in next week, same time, same place.